0: Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. Bible this morning. Open it with me to 1st Timothy chapter 4. Timothy chapter 4. We're going to pause momentarily our study in the book of Joshua. We'll pick it back up, Lord willing, later in this year and uh, complete our study through Joshua together. But today I want us to begin a new sermon series on the church covenant. The church covenant. Now I realize that's an exciting series for us to consider together, Uh, but I do think it's going to be a very important one for us. We come to this topic on Sunday mornings uh, for, for several reasons. First of all, the church covenant is extremely important. Uh, Unfortunately, it has become a forgotten element of church life and church membership, and I hope that by us giving some consideration to it that we'll be able to uh, realize its importance and significance in our life as a church and your life as a Christian. But secondly, we come to it uh, on Sunday mornings because we have shared with you a recommendation from our elder body uh, for a revision to our current church covenant. And I would remind you that you can find that proposed revision on the back welcome desk. And so if you haven't got a copy of that, I hope that you'll pick one up as you leave uh, service today. Uh, But we'll also be working through that together on Sunday mornings uh, in, in the near future. And so We're coming to this because it's an important consideration as as well as the recommendation that has been presented to you. And today, as we kind of begin this new series, I want to just give us an introduction to the church covenant. Today, I want to talk about what, why, and who. What is a church covenant? Why do we need a church covenant? And who is a church covenant for? What, why, and who? In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, I believe is a helpful verse as we begin this series this morning. So if you have your Bibles open, follow along and hear as I read God's Word today. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let's pray once more. Our Heavenly Father, we ask today that you would bless the reading and the preaching of your Word. And Father, it's my desire as we begin this new series, looking at the church covenant, that you would be glorified, that your church would be edified. Father, I pray now that your Spirit would open our eyes, that we would see, our ears, that we would hear, and that he would work in our hearts, that we may understand and believe and receive what you're saying to us today father we ask for these things in Jesus name amen the apostle Paul is the author of the letter of first Timothy and he writes it to his son in the faith a young man by the name of Timothy who he is left at Ephesus to lead that church to set some things in order there And Paul writes the letter of 1 Timothy to instruct him on how that should be, on what that should look like. And when we come here to 1 Timothy 4 verse 16, we hear Paul giving an exhortation, an instruction, a command. He tells Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teachings. And persist in this, or be diligent in this, or give careful attention to this, because in doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, while that was a personal instruction for Timothy, regarding his administration there at the church at Ephesus, that has bearing on us today as well as the church at Poplar Springs. We see in this exhortation in 1 Timothy four sixteen two particular things that Paul draws Timothy's attention to. First, what he does. Keep a close watch on yourself. And then secondly, on what he says or on the teaching. Keep a close watch on the teaching. What he does and what he believes. How he lives and what he teaches. He tells Timothy, you need to give a close watch on these things. In the history of the church coming out of this instruction and others like it that are found in scripture, two documents have been employed to help us be faithful in this way, in this command. First of all, the church has often employed what's known as a confession, a confession or a statement of faith. This would be keeping a close watch on the teaching of the statement of faith is what we believe. It's what we see Scripture teaching and Scripture affirming, and we, we put it in a concise statement called a confession, and we uphold that is what we believe. Here at Poplar Springs, we have adopted the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Uh, 18 original articles with three more added to give us a total of 21 that would delineate us, delineate for us the essentials of our faith. And we use that as a guardrail, if you will, uh, to keep us out of the the ditches of of unorthodoxy, of, of improper belief, of improper faith, of heretical teachings. So it serves in that way to help us keep a close watch on what we teach, what we believe. It's a confession. Several years ago, we did a study on Wednesday nights working our way through the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. And perhaps at some point in the future, we'll come back to that and look at it on Sunday mornings together. If you're not familiar with our confessional statement here, uh, you can go to our website and under the about link on the page, you'll find the Baptist Faith and Message uh, listed there for you. I would encourage you to take some time and read over it. Uh, understand what it says, and you'll see why it matters so much to us. But a confession has been used by churches. But secondly, another document has been produced by churches in accord with what Paul is telling Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, and that is a covenant, a church covenant. The confession kept a close watch on the teaching. The covenant helps us keep a close watch on ourselves. The confession, our saying, the covenant, our doing. Church covenants have been employed by by churches for hundreds of years. Uh, When you study church history, you you find that they they really began to come upon the scene during the the time of the Reformation, the mid-1500s. And this was in part because of the breakaway that happened uh, with the Protestant church from the Roman Catholic church, the rediscovery of the gospel, the five solas of the Reformation. And what they understood is that simply gathering together uh, as a evangelical Protestant church of the Reformation uh, could not simply uh, designate them uh, from the Catholic church gathering. They, they wanted to be clear. Yes, we gather as a local body of believers, but we gather differently than how they gather. We live differently than how they live their faith out. And so they began to employ a church covenant. And from that time, Even until today, covenants are still employed and in use, again, to give guardrails, if you will, to the church, to the believer, to keep a close watch on our doing, on living out our faith. And here's what I want you to know about these two documents. They matter immensely. Now, they're not on the level of scripture. Hear me very clearly on that. Uh, The documents of a confession and a covenant are not infallible. They are not inspired, but they are important. Because as we keep a close watch on our teaching, as we keep a close watch on our doing, if we persist in that, we will save both ourselves and others. There's an eternal significance to what we believe and what we do. To give it to you in a more technical way, your orthodoxy always leads you to an orthopraxy. What you believe always has an effect on what you do. And Paul says we better take note of both of those things in the church of Jesus Christ. Because if you're doing the wrong things, it's evident that you believe the wrong things. And if you don't believe the right things, you'll never do the good things that God calls us to do. So we must persist and keeping a watch on what we believe and what we do. And the church covenant focuses on that ladder, what we do, how we live, the character of our church. So as we dig a little bit deeper this morning into the church covenant, what, why, and who, let me begin with the what. What is a church covenant? Let me give you three ways to think about it. Before I begin to dig in more into the sermon this morning to any pastor pals who are in here today, Uh, Just pick out a few words that you want to write down Because there are a lot of words that are going to be on the screen this morning All right, so I don't want you to break your hand. I don't want you to to get frustrated Uh, Just pick you out a few words and write those down and you'll be good everybody else You got to write it all down this morning, but the pastor pals get a little bit of a break All right, so what why and who starting with the what what is a church covenant? Well three ways that we can think about it. First of all the church covenant is a promise It's a promise It is a pledge, it is a commitment, it is a promise that we are making first to the Lord and then to one another that we are covenanting together with, that we are pledging together with and how we will seek to go about living a life that will bring glory to God. So when we come together in covenant membership, we are pledging, promising, committing to each other that this is the life that we want to present to the world, that this is a life that we want to live, that will be pleasing to God. This is the basis of what a covenant is. Uh, we see a foundational understanding of this when we search scripture. Scripture is filled with many covenants. God enacting covenants with his people, with his creation. He had a covenant with Adam and Eve. He had one with Noah. Uh, He had one with Abraham. He had one with David. Of course, Jesus Christ, through his life and death, sacrifice and shed blood, he purchased the new covenant for us. A covenant is a way in which we relate to one another with pledges and promises that are associated with it. It's us committing to live out uh, the Christian life together. So first and foremost, a a church covenant is a promise, a promise. Secondly, it's a summary. It's a summary. It's detailing and summarizing, certainly not all the commands that Scripture would give, not all the exhortations that we're called to live out, not every detail of the Christian life, but in summary fashion, it gives us the big picture of what it looks like to live as one whose life has been transformed by the grace of God. That this is what it looks like to live as a Christian in this world. It's telling us this is what it means to be a member of the church and to live as a Christian for the glory of God. It gives us a summary statement of that. And then third, it's a standard. It's a standard. So it's a promise, a pledge, a commitment. It's a summary to the life that we desire to live. And then in that, it serves as a standard. That this is what we want to hold one another accountable to. This is what we use in exercising uh, the call for church discipline that Jesus gives us to seek to maintain the purity of a church. When do we know to do that? When should we do that? Well, when someone steps outside of the guardrails of living a life that would be pleasing to God, that will save both themselves and others, then we call them back to that. We say, you've got to get out of the ditch of sin and get back in the highway of holiness. And we know where that highway is because the church covenant in part is the map for that. It shows us what it looks like to live in this fashion. And so it's the standard that we oftentimes will look to and refer to and use coming out of Scripture to lead us in pursuing holiness. So that's a church covenant, a promise, a summary, a standard. And for almost 200 years now, many churches have employed a covenant that was written uh, in the late 1850s by a gentleman named John Newton Brown. He received his name from the author of the song Amazing Grace, John Newton. Uh, He was a churchman. He was a statesman. Uh, He wrote a Baptist church manual uh, wherein he referenced the New Hampshire Confession of Faith, a confession of faith that was used predominantly in that day and, and gives rise to the Baptist faith and message in our day. But then associated with that, he penned a church covenant. And it's that covenant that has been broadly used by many churches for many, many years now. And it's the covenant that is currently in place for us here at Poplar Springs. So why then are we suggesting a revision to you? Well, what you need to know is, first of all, is that there's really not any major changes to the covenant that we are presenting to you for consideration. Much of the same language has been kept. Much of the same format has been employed. But what we have done is updated it just a little bit language-wise. When John Newton Brown wrote it in 1859, he used the language of 1859. And as you can imagine, there's been some change in how words have used. Words have fallen out of use. New words have come into use. And so we've, we've tried to update the language uh, so that it reads a little bit uh, easier, so that it sounds a little bit more familiar to us in this day. But the other thing that we have sought to do, to do in this revision is to present the covenant to you in a format that hopefully will make it more memorable and meaningful to you. This is an important document. This is us keeping a watch on ourselves, persisting in holiness, saving ourselves and others as well. And so I want to read for you the the proposed revision. You'll you'll hear the same language in many places. And then I'll, I'll share with you how we've broken it up to hopefully allow it to be more memorable and retainable for you. So let me read the covenant. It'll be on the screen behind me. You can follow along. And uh, here's our read. The proposed revision states having been led, as we have confidence in the truth by the Spirit of God, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and by our profession of our faith, and having been baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. We do now in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly most solemnly, joyfully, and truthfully enter into covenant with one another as one unified body in Christ and the members of Poplar Springs Baptist Church to promote its prosperity, spirituality, and to make much of God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Parenthetically, John Newton Brown did not have that last line in his original that comes from us here at Poplar Springs. We commit to follow the divinely inspired and errant and infallible Word of God as the sole rule for our life of faith and practice, maintain family and individual devotions to the Word of God, and religiously educate our children and those under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We commit, therefore, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our daily conduct, to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and non-righteous anger, to yield our lives solely to the control of the Holy Spirit, and... We commit to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a local body of believers, faithfully gathering as the church on the Lord's Day and other occasions to sustain the church's worship through proclamation of the word, prayer, praise, and song, and practice of the ordinances and discipline. We commit to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministries, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We commit to use the gifts and talents God has blessed us with in service to support our members, ministries, and mission of Poplar Springs Baptist Church. We commit to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior, Jesus Christ, seeking the salvation of our family and friends, neighbors, and the nations by boldly proclaiming the good news of salvation in the name of Jesus Christ alone. We further commit to maintain the family, to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace as we submit to and watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember each other in prayer, to aid each other in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy and feeling and courtesy in speech, to be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the commands and guidance of our Savior to secure it without delay. And we moreover commit... That when we remove from Poplar Springs Baptist Church, we will as soon as possible unite with some other like-minded church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. And that's the proposed covenant that we have presented to you. Again, very similar. And what we originally had when I came here to Poplar Springs, very similar to what has been employed for many years, but updated in language and also altered in its structure. And again, altered so it will hopefully be something that you can recall and be more memorable to us and employed here by us uh, in, in much simpler ways perhaps than previously. So let me share with you how we've broken it down. The covenant that I've just read to you can be summarized in nine statements. Nine statements. And I think you'll agree that maybe remembering these nine statements is much more simpler, uh, much more simple than, than trying to memorize the entire covenant, although I would certainly encourage you to perhaps pursue that as well. But let me give you these summary statements. The church covenant tells us first that we have been gloriously saved by Christ. We've been gloriously saved by Christ. Secondly, we will diligently search the scripture. We'll diligently search the scripture. Third, we will passionately strive for holiness. Fourth, we will faithfully show up with the church. Fifth, we will generously support the church. Sixth, we will regularly serve the church. Seventh, we openly we will openly share our faith. Eighth, we will humbly submit to others. And ninth, we will quickly settle at another church. Should the Lord lead you away from Poplar Springs and his providence, then we believe it's important and right according to scripture that you would quickly... Find another like-minded church to put these things into practice once more in your life. So those nine statements give us a a good grasp, a good understanding of what the church covenant is. Is presenting to us to pledge to one another of summarizing the Christian life and the standard that we want to uphold as believers here at Poplar Springs. That we have a testimony of having been gloriously saved. We'll diligently look into the Word of God. We'll strive for holiness, certainly not being perfect people, but longing to be holy because our God is holy. We'll commit to gathering with the church on the Lord's day. We'll support the church in its mission and its ministries. We'll serve the church with the gifts and talents that God has blessed us with through the Holy Spirit. We'll boldly share our faith with our family, our friends, our neighbors, and the nations. We'll humbly submit to one another, looking not only for our own interests, but for the interests of others as well. And we'll quickly, should the Lord send us away, settle at another church so that we can persist in these things and save both ourselves and others. And we do it all with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the functioning and fellowship of the Holy Spirit within us. So that's what we've presented to you for your consideration. And in a coming Sunday or two, several perhaps, we'll bring that to a vote for you to affirm if this is what you would desire. But why? Why do we need a church covenant? We've talked about what it is. You've heard it read. But why do we need such a document? Let me give you four reasons why I think it would be helpful and why it is helpful to have such a covenant in place. First of all, having a church covenant makes membership meaningful. It makes membership meaningful. I believe one of the downfalls of the church in America today, the Western church, is that we have failed to place a proper emphasis on membership. I believe that it should mean something to be a part Of The Baptist Church to be a part of the local church. It should mean something because the church is what Jesus Christ shed his blood for. It should mean something because we're coming together professing that we know Christ and we want to live for him. So by having this covenant we're pledging that this is what we believe and this is how we want to live and it gives meaning it gives a weight it gives a gravitas To being a member of a local church. And it furthermore marks those who are members of the church. To become a member of the church doesn't simply mean that you like the preaching. That you like the singing. That you like how we may do certain things. It means that you're willing to live this life out together with us. To encourage us to live this way as we encourage you to live this way. So a church covenant is important because it makes membership meaningful. Secondly... It's important because it promotes holiness. Holiness. It helps us keep keep a close watch on our lives, on our living, on our doing. It helps us examine our walk to determine, are we living out the life of a Christian? Are we seeking holiness as our God is holy? In the summary statement that I gave you regarding the section on holiness and the covenant, uh, we we worded it worded it specifically that we strive for holiness. Yes, it starts with an S, like all the other summary statements, to hopefully help you remember them a little bit easier. But striving is an intentional choice. There, none of us are perfect. We all still struggle with sin. We all still come up short. But yet our heart's desire, our our trajectory should be towards pursuing holiness. And the church covenant calls us to that lifestyle. It promotes holiness among the church, among the body, among believers, among the individual Christian. It makes membership meaningful, promotes holiness thirdly. The church covenant matters because it provides accountability. It provides accountability in the church covenant what we realize is that we don't live out our christian faith in isolation there are no lone rangers in the church of jesus christ we need each other you need your brothers and sisters in the pews next to you and we need each other because we all have blind spots in our lives this is the reason jesus in the sermon on the mount gave that instruction and how to go about rebuking others with sin in their life. He said, first of all, before you deal with a speck of sin in another's life, get the big old pole uh, out of your eye. Get the, get the timber out of your eye before you get the speck of dust out of theirs. Many times we're blind to our own sin. We're blind to our own shortcomings. And sometimes when people want to come and offer a rebuke, a loving rebuke to call us back into the right way, to call us back into a life that's pleasing to the Lord, we want to jump down to what Jesus said. Don't judge me. And we completely misconstrue what Jesus is saying there. Well, what we have in a a church covenant is a pledge, a commitment that we're making to a life that we believe is honoring to the Lord together. And then when we step outside of that, we know this is not another person judging us, looking down upon us. But this is another person coming alongside us in love to hold us accountable, to help us keep watch on our lives. And I would remind you again of what Paul said to Timothy, do this. Because eternity hangs in the balance. Persist in this because you will save yourself and others. We need each other's rebukes into our lives to help us stay in this path of holiness. So the church covenant serves in that fashion. It provides accountability. And then fourthly, we need a church covenant not only because makes membership meaningful. It marks those who are members to agree in this way. It promotes holiness among us. It provides accountability. But collectively then, it will strengthen our witness. It will strengthen our witness. When you go back and look carefully into the covenant that I read for you this morning, you'll clearly and perhaps even quickly realize that to live the life that it details. To live out such a life that it details, sets you in stark contrast to how the world lives. There's a clear distinction there. We're not living for what the world lives for. We're living for the glory of God. We're living for the blessings of others. We're, we're living to lend our lives, to be used by God, to, to see the, the gospel of Jesus Christ pro, uh, proclaimed and spread abroad. And so as we seek to live out such a life, it strengthens our collective weakness. Because we're living in this fashion together. It lets the the world on the outside know, hey, the people in there, there's something different about them. When the church becomes like the world, the power of the church is then impotent and lost. It is no more. But when we live out this life collectively, oh, our light begins to shine brighter and our salt becomes even saltier. So we need a church covenant to help us maintain the purity of the church and have a powerful witness in the world. So that's what a church covenant is. That's why we need a church covenant. And then I want to end this morning quickly by talking about who the covenant is for. Who the covenant is for. I've mentioned it several times, but let me see if I can just condense it here. It takes us to the opening section of the covenant. A church covenant is for believers. A church covenant is for believers. Those whose lives have been transformed by Jesus Christ and his gospel. The church covenant comes from the understanding that churches, churches like Poplar Springs, were composed of people who are truly born again. I would remind you this morning, that the church at Poplar Springs is not this facility that we're in. It's not this campus that we, we, we've come to today. But the church of Jesus Christ at Poplar Springs is you, the people. In just a moment, we'll pray a benediction prayer. And in that, you will be the church going then. But understand, in your going, the church of Poplar Springs still exists. Because you are the church you are the church who have surrendered your life in repentance and faith to Jesus Christ, believing in him as Lord and Savior, and have, who have come together with us in a covenant membership to live that life out. Having been led, as we have confidence in the truth, by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and by our profession of our faith, and having been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, we do now... In the presence of God, angels this, and this assembly most solemnly, joyfully, and truthfully enter into covenant with one another as one unified body in Christ and the members of Poplar Springs Baptist Church. What I want you to know is that more important than having your name on the church roll, being marked as a member here at Poplar Springs is knowing that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. And knowing that your life has been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's those that comprise the church. In Matthew 16, Jesus has the conversation with his disciples. He inquires, who do people say that I am? And they give the various responses that are swirling in his day. But then he asks the pointed question, who do you say that I am? And not surprisingly, it was Simon Peter who spoke up. And he gets it right. For just a moment, he gets it right. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The rock there that Jesus speaks of is a play off of Peter's name, which also meant rock. But Peter is not the rock. Instead, Jesus is telling us that he will build his church based upon the confession that Peter gave. That's the rock. Those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, their Lord and Savior. Those who confess him, he is building into his church. So as his church, we come together in a covenant commitment. To live a life that is pleasing and honoring and glorifying to Him. We come together having our lives transformed by Jesus. To serve Him. To serve one another. To submit to others. To support the ministry and the missions of the church. To study the scriptures. To strive for holiness. To share our faith. We, we whose lives have been changed by the gospel. We want to live this way for the glory of God. So as we think about the church covenant, as we think about the revision that's been proposed, understand it matters only for you if your life has been changed by Jesus. And if your life hasn't been changed by Jesus today, I would encourage you today, come to him. Come to Him in repentance and faith. Come today acknowledging your sin and receiving the forgiveness that is found in Him alone. Come to Him and let Him change your life forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the time You've given us to look into Your Word today. And Lord, I pray that You would help us to be a people who keep a close watch, a careful watch on what we believe and what we do here as the church at Poplar Springs Father we realize the significance of what is before us heaven and hell life and death blessing or cursing so Lord would you help us to persist to remain steadfast Father, I pray that, Lord, as we consider the role of the covenant in the life of our church and in our lives as individuals, Lord, that it would promote within us holy living. Lord, that we would seek to live a life that would be pleasing to you and honoring to you, a life that would be for the building up of this church, and a life that would be a a great witness to others. And Father, we live this way because of what you have done for us and your son, Jesus Christ. By your grace, Lord, we have been led to believe. To believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And Father, for that, we're so thankful. Father, I pray for your church here at Poplar Springs. I pray that you would take great delight and joy in us. And God, in these days that we are now living in, that, Father, we would be found faithful. So, Father, would you lead us as we continue in the study in the weeks to come? And may it be for your glory, for the building up of your people here. For we ask these things now in Jesus' name.